Well, welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, husband, father of nine, founder of Familias, fly fisherman, and outdoor enthusiast living in the beautiful California Central Valley. For the video of this podcast, please view it on the Familias YouTube channel. We welcome today's guest, Donna Tetral. Now, Donna is a best-selling and award-winning author. She is a broadcast journalist with over 20 years of experience in the L.A. market, working at CNN, KNBC-TV, and KCBS-TV. She is currently a parenting contributor at NBC News Now, NBC News Daily, and NBC's California Live. Donna's work has been featured on The Today Show, The Talk, The Doctors, and Dr. Phil. She has written for Harvard's Graduate School of Education, U.S. News and World Report, Parents.com, Your Teen Magazine, and Thrive Global. Prior to starting her broadcast journalism career, Donna was an elementary school teacher. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband and two teenage sons. And we should add that she is also the author of the familiar title, The Castle Method. So we today, we're discussing how to support our kids when they go back to school. This podcast aligns with the familiar's habits, learn together and talk together. You can learn more about the familiar's and habits of happy families by going to the Habit Hub blog on familiar's.com. Now, Donna, it's so wonderful to have you on the show and what experience that you bring to help us with this going back to school issue we face every year. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here, Christopher. I love talking with you and I'm excited to have our chat. <laughs> so I think I emailed you and I said, "This is for me, this is always one of the saddest points of the year. I love it when my kids aren't going to school, not because I don't want them educated, because we do a lot of education in the home, as you know. But I just, I love to have them around. It's just fun to see what they're doing. But, you know, I, I notice that parents and kids, as school starts, they can be excited. They can be anxious. They can be prepared. They can be unprepared. There's a lot that goes on in this school world for both the parents and, and most importantly, the kids. Help us in a few minutes. Help us know what we need to know and what we need to do as parents of these important people in our lives. Yeah, you know, I really agree with you about the summertime. It really is that time to just be together as a family in kind of this calmer, not stressful routines and schedules kind of way. But I do think that heading back to school is a good time to kind of incorporate that family meeting, to have this time where we're going to talk and we're going to talk about what's going to happen in this new school year. And we really want to hear from the kids and we don't want to kind of just tell the kids what we expect of them. I think it's a good way to kind of open up what we're going to do for this new school year, what it's going to look like. And I think when we start with routines, kind of pulling everybody back into the schedules and routines, sleep has obviously been off because we've been having a good time in the summer. And so I think it's important for people to really understand that if the sleep isn't there, the learning can't happen. So we know for elementary school kids, they need nine to 12 hours of sleep. And then for our teenagers, between eight and 10. And we really do have a group of sleep deprived teens. So we really got to kind of be conscious of that. I think it's really important too, to ask our kids during that family meeting, what are your goals for this year? 
what didn't work last year? What do you think you can improve on for this year? And what do you see happening? We don't have to talk about necessarily straight A results. Talking about what are you interested in? What are the classes you're interested in? How can I help you? And then thinking about how then extracurricular activities come into play. But I think it is a good way to bring in that family meeting at the beginning of the school year to get everybody back on track and on the same agenda. So expectations are known. I think that's good. We call that in the Robbins household, the family council. And the kids, that. the kids always joke that when dad or mom calls the family council, that we're actually going to be announcing that mom's pregnant, which is not true. <laughs> Well, it could be true. Yeah, right. Not true. It was true for a while, but no longer. Yeah. Um, right. And family councils like that are great opportunities to, as you say, say, you know, we're going to talk about going back to school, setting a routine, making sure we have enough sleep, setting specific goals that and how we can help you achieve those goals. That's a great opportunity for parents to be good mentors in addition to parents at that moment. I absolutely agree with you. And I like to talk to teens and tell them that, look, you've got to really kind of take the lead here. This is your opportunity. I'm here as your parent, as your mom, dad, but I am here kind of as a coach. So use me as a coach, because if you have questions about how things may work, I'm going to try to coach you toward that. You're going to, as a teen, have to make these decisions for yourself. We want that autonomy, but at the same time, Having kind of this, I'm going to not, you know, instead of I'm going to tell you what to do, more of coming in with, how can I support you? How can I be your coach? Yeah, it's so great to have kind of like shadow leaders as where we we are behind the child, helping the child reach his or her own or their own goals that they want to do, that they have some autonomy, that they're learning how to live their life. One of the things that I find interesting in Many years ago, I had a great mentor. His name was Kevin Watts. And he gave me this example that a car has four wheels. And he said, in, in order to have, have that car run well, it has to have all four wheels on the ground. And he said, Christopher, those wheels in your life are your social, your intellectual, your physical, and your spiritual. Now, not everyone's a spiritual person, but I happen to be a spiritual person. And he said, you need to set goals in those areas to help you. And so One of the things I'm thinking about is when kids go back to school, friendship, that's a big deal. So how can you help our parents work with their kids in terms of their social engagement and their social skills and maybe goals that they have for this next year? I love that. And I love that example. And I love this question because friendships are crucial to learning. We know that kids need to be in school and have friends for that engagement. And we know really from research that kids who have friends in school want to go to school and do better in school. And it actually translates to better grades. So I think for young kids who are maybe nervous starting a new school or they're just in the primary grades, helping your kids identify who might be a friend by asking them, so who do you like at school? Why do you like this person? Is this person funny? Can you be yourself? Do you have something in common? And let the kid articulate that to you. And then maybe say, how about we have a play date? So you want to have this engagement and you don't want to force the friendships, but you want 
your kid to find out why they like certain kids and why that bond is there. For teenagers, it's a little bit more scrappy. But I think that for teens, if we can encourage our kids to be involved in school, whether it's with athletics, outside clubs of school, arts, whatever they're into, really get them engaged in the school. Of course, there's going to be these extracurricular activities that might be outside of school. But I think that if you can incorporate friendships within the school, activities within the school, that's going to build that bond of school friendships. And and then I like to say, look, with the teenagers, because I have two teen boys now, 15 and 16 years old, I like to have my kids have their friends over as much as possible. And research tells us that if we have our kids' friends' parents over to get to know them as a community, we're going to have our kids develop better peer relationships. Yeah, I can tell you that if you want to get to know your child's friends, have your child invite them over to your home and be welcoming. Open the refrigerator and let them eat and you'll learn a lot. So that's one of the rules we have at our home is the fridge is open. Come on in and just and let's get to know you. And you also have an opportunity to influence them in a positive way, too. They might ask questions. Absolutely. And it's interesting. One of your authors, Maria Sansone, who wrote the amazing book, Oh, Shit, What's for Dinner? One of her recipes I actually just used recently for a bunch of teenage boys, this chicken, spicy chicken. They loved it. So thanks to Maria Sansone for that recipe. (laughs) Yes. And I would say just being a teenage boy, having six teenage boys, if your teenage boys are difficult, it's because they're either tired or they're hungry. Feed them, they'll be okay. <laughs> They're mad hungry is what they are. Yes. Okay, Let's. you talked about goals. We didn't really define enough about goals. I'm a big goal setter. You've talked about a vision board. Help us understand how a parent could use a vision board with their child as the beginning of school to create goals. Yeah, you know, I've been doing vision boards with my boys at the beginning of the school year since they were little, and it has evolved. And I think what the questions I ask the boys are, We start off with like, what are you thinking about grades wise? What do you think you can achieve? And it's not to put the academic achievement pressure on them. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for them to really identify where their strengths are in math. What do you expect in math? In English, do you think you need to kind of continue your writing? And how can you ask a teacher for help? So we want to start with like school, that's your job. That's the most important thing. Then what are you going to do to have balance in your life? What are your extracurriculars? What are you looking at? So my boys, Jackson, he is going to, is a rising 10th grader. Last year, his goal was to make the varsity golf team as a ninth grader. What did that look like? What were the steps? So he outlined his steps And actually happy to announce he made that varsity team. What would have happened if he didn't, we would have gone a different route. He would have continued to practice. And, but he had for golf, it was kind of easy. I need to shoot X. I need to practice this. So it's actually breaking down these goals, goals and steps within the vision board. And my boys usually just write or draw. A lot of people like to cut out of magazines. It just depends on what your kid likes to do. And it's people can easily 
Google vision boards and see examples yes. and let their child you know, express their own creativity. And that's absolutely that's really valuable. Now, it's curious, you bring up academics and you bring up extracurricular activities. So what's your opinion or how can you help a parent help their child balance that? So they are getting the learning they need, but they're also getting those extracurricular activities, which I think have a real impact on their later life. I completely agree. And I think that the way we look at it is the balance. And so technology is so heavy in these kids' lives that when we talk to them about what kind of their job is, which is school, and then having some extracurriculars to kind of build on what you enjoy in life and making sure that technology is not interfering with that. So that's something that we talk about a lot when we come back into school, like what the new tech rules are. What do you think tech should look like? And so I think that having that balance in addition to family time and how important that family time is, especially for young kids and teenagers as well, but teenagers kind of allowing them to say, ask like, we're going to try to do a family dinner this night. Are you okay with that? What are your plans with your friends? Trying to find that balance with school, extracurriculars, those things that really matter to them that they kind of want to shoot for in life and family time and monitoring that tech time that does not take away from what life we're supposed to be living. Great advice. And I would add that one of the things that the Robbins family does is Monday night is reserved always in perpetuity for family night. And so that's that's what we do. So when we get together, we make pizza, we play games, you know, we talk and that we just know that that night is night we can be together because everybody's going in different directions, particularly as the kids get older and they have more friends and things happen. I love that. We've, so we've talked about making sure we have a family council or get together where we can we can reestablish the school routine, uh, make sure that we've got a good bedtime schedule, that we've, we're working to help set goals, working whether they be in, in our social goals, our emotional goals, which is a big deal right now. So many are struggling with anxiety and what we can do to help there, intellectual goals, how we're scheduling family time, making sure that we're dealing with technology appropriately. So many, many things. You know, How do we manage extracurricular activities, encouraging creativity and the lives of our kids. There's so much to think about there. Is there a way for you to help us prioritize all that? (laughs) Yeah, there is a lot to think about, right? And I feel like it is kind of this list. But I do think that when we bring our kids into it, into the engagement and have the buy-in, I think it matters. And I think it helps them kind of have that autonomy, but then it gives us this release. So that when we're telling them and they're thinking about their schedules and what they're going to do for this year, that they have the buy-in. And that's the reason I don't want to say, you must do this, you must do this. It's like, what do you see? How are you going to do this? How is your schedule? How are you going to need me to help you with the schedule? And so I think that as a family working together to take all of that just off of us as parents, because we have a lot to think about. We have a lot to think about. And so kind of giving them, allowing them to take the lead in some of the things is helpful as well. And I do think, I talk a lot about this, self-compassion for parents. 
We are doing the best that we can. We are not perfect. We are imperfect. And allowing for the failures that come as parents gives me relief. And being able to then apologize when we're not our best, our most perfect, I think allows our kids that social emotional learning to know they don't have to be perfect either. So taking all that stress, but also knowing practice self-compassion. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm taking a breath. I'm not perfect. And then that modeling is crucial for our children. Great. Now, you've written this wonderful book, The Castle Method. Is there a chapter that you think we could reference and go to for parents as it relates to this back-to-school issue? Yeah, I think that we can go to probably chapter the chapter on trust. I think that allowing as parents to trust our kids in this academic journey, in their own journey, that there are going to be failures, there's going to be successes, and those failures matter. And we have to allow them to fail and just trust that things are going to work out, things are going to be fine, but trusting in our kids to make decisions for themselves so that they can then continue to make decisions in their adult life and trust themselves knowing that they had that backup from us. Great advice. Just so the audience knows, I'm holding up a book called Fail Brilliantly, Exploding <laughs> the Myths of Failure and Success by Shelley Davidov and Paul Williams. It communicates there's no such thing as failure. It's right. that, like we're just learning. <laughs> we're yeah. just learning. Just so, learning. All of us are just learning constantly. Let's trust. Let's give them some opportunity to use their autonomy and, and learn to grow. Great advice today. Really wonderful. Now, Donna, where can our guests find you online? They can find me on my website at donatatro.com. They can find me on Instagram at donatatro and on Twitter at donatatro. So I am out there. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Well, thank you again for joining us today and sharing what you know with us. We conclude today's podcast and like to thank Familius for their support and bringing the podcast to your ears and your heart. And we'd be thrilled, of course, if you subscribe to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familius. One step at a time, one book at a time, we can make the world a happier place. <laughs>